<laughs> that's it that's what we get out of hello you? hello but it was it was like it was like an abort oh, that, I don't know. oh wow <laughs> was like an aborted burp. We're going i know there, i'm huh? not trying to be weird i'm not trying to be topical my body's like and here it comes here comes a large amount of air out of your tome and it's like <laughs> i don't know what happened got trapped within me i'm gonna explode now How's Hello. it going, friends? This is Last Minute Politics. You have tuned in to the one and only furry podcast. We're the only one. <laughs> and if you would like to hear more, uh, continue listening. I don't know what to say. Uh, we are here in our uh, Patreon chat. If you pay even a dollar a month, you get access to our Discord, which is where we record these shows live, where we also have video on. We don't have any plans to release video because it's way too much work. But if you want to watch us on video, record the thing live, you can be doing that right now. And in fact, we have three faces in our uh, Discord chat ultimate secret base uh, we, they have me we have dragor and we also have our guest today apollo hello my name is apollo it's nice to uh, meet you all hello hello welcome you Thank may you. know apollo as starbucks union furry if you're just on twitter <laughs> and like saw stuff flying around and that's because uh that's because apollo is both a furry a starbucks employee and a part of a union organization effort that was successful so if you've been listening to our show it's extremely obvious why we would want apollo on today i'm gonna do let's do studio applause like the howard Yay. stern show used to do just just me and dragor and <laughs> <laughs> that is applause that's the applause sound how have you been, just in general? Um, I've been doing pretty good, actually. It's been a little bit of a wild ride for me. Uh, something that never thought would happen to me, but uh, it's not been bad. So. I say, how many interviews and media requests have you had in the last like month? Oh my god! <laughs> Starting with Vice, I had like the Vice, and then I appeared on there, like a uh, live Twitch stream, and then I done like one or two local interviews and then i've done two 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 podcasts now and another interview for a youtube video uh so it's been it's been busy for me and uh, <laughs> i'm more busy now than i've ever been have you done <laughs> things like that before? Like, were you doing streaming stuff, or is this all uh, very new? I mean... Hey, do you have any, like, media training or experience? <laughs> or? I wouldn't say experience, but I mean, I'm attempting to be a Twitch streamer of some sort. I want to jump right into why you're on the show, and it'll also fill in uh, kind of like why... When you're saying things like, you know, since stuff has been going down, let's talk about what has been going down. Mm -hmm. uh, as I understand, and I'm going to hand this off to you so you can tell the story, like, firsthand, but uh, Apollo here is, was a Starbucks employee in the Seattle area. Uh, you were doing some kind of agitation for organization, like movement towards what eventually happened, a union effort at your store, and uh, allegedly were fired because of uh, that agitation. How did that all go down? So I do want to correct you. I'm an employee in Kansas, 
um, I was invited out to Seattle to take part of like the the union campaign there. But it started like a little like back in January. Uh, we had a manager turnover that was just like not going very well. And, uh, you know, before that, our store had just been kind of like bottling up its problems. So if you don't know anything about my store, it's a, a container store. What that means is that it is literally two like metal shipping containers like fit together in a T-shape. It's tiny. Like tiny, and it's tiny. a drive-through only thing, right? Yeah, it's drive-through walk-up window, and so we have a lot of issues like concerning storage and safety and like brake space and a whole plethora of thing things. Um, and when we had this manager turnover, it just kind of boiled over, and someone from the store contacted uh, Starbucks Workers United because we had all kind of talked about unionizing in the past um and we really like started gathering union cards and everything and like everybody was on board like pretty much and this everybody. is in kansas or in seattle kansas in kansas i guess yes. my question there if you can give a little summary or history so it sounds like there were you you just mentioned there was some interest already what what how does that begin yeah if i were to talk to some of my friends in the midwest who also have worked at starbucks there has been, they would say there has been zero talk of union stuff. Like, it's very hush-hush. They have no experience with it. So how did you get to, like, being comfortable with that, starting talking about those cards? Where'd that come from for you? Yeah, like, what were the issues that got people who were, like, they, where everyone's kind of going, yeah, that is bullshit. Like, what got people talking to each other? Well, I mean, when you work in such a small store, you have, like, a really small team. Um, and we were, we were pretty close-knit. Honestly, uh, we're all good friends and, um, you know, every store is going to be different. And my store is like a special case because it's a, um, a container store and just because it's so tiny. Uh, there were always things like, uh, air conditioner is constantly like leaking, um, like panels, uh, exposing like the insulation, uh, were like gone. Uh, there were always, because we had, like, no storage space, there was always cardboard boxes, like, stacked up in the, ba uh, in the back that would, like, often times, like, collapse on each other um, or block the bathroom door. Uh, sometimes we had to use the bathroom for extra storage space, and I would open up the bathroom door and not be able to reach the toilet because there's just boxes everywhere. Um, and then there is, like, one table in the back of the store, like, one desk. It's, like, the manager's desk. Um, and, you know, if the manager or, or someone else is using it while you are ready to, like, go on your break, you're just kind of screwed. Uh, so you just kind of have to, like, go out into your car, which is not cool in Kansas because it gets to be, like, 10 degrees in the winter and like 95 degrees in the summer. Um, <laughs> and so you either boil alive or turn into a popsicle. Um, and then our parking lot is also really tiny. And we have a lot like, I hate to say a lot, but in comparison to the parking lot, it's a lot of people working. 
seems like almost all of your issues, at least the ones that affect just you know every Starbucks employee at that location, are are almost entirely born out of Starbucks uh, taking taking the opportunity to cut as many costs as humanly possible and essentially open a location in like a glorified fruit stand Uh because like you're saying this is a container store and when you say container store you mean literally they took two shipping containers like the kind that you see on boats like the kind that blocked the suez canal put them next to each other stuck some holes in there and you're talking about exposed insulation so you're essentially in like two storage containers with some starbucks paint on the outside and because there's no customer facing area they can just let it be you can just work in squalor because no one else goes inside and Uh if you complain it's just you who cares Uh uh-huh exactly um so yeah there's just like a bunch of problems like piled on top of each other and i mean it's all things that we as a team have discussed uh, before and been vocally annoyed about. Did you have um, like a meeting? Like, did you all go to a, did you have like the Les Mis moment where you all go to the cafe and you're like, <laughs> we will not stand. <laughs> or did it kind of happen like low key? Was it online? Like how did the actual, okay, we are all, we we all know we're mad and we all know why let us now act. Like how did the, how did they get to that point? Right. So, I mean, we also have like a, a group chat for, uh, like the workers, uh, I think it was like there was one on GroupMe, and then we switched over to Discord at some point. Um, so we're always able to communicate with one another about everything that's going on. And when the manager's turnover started happening, people were just kind of like, "Okay, like this is enough. Like things are just getting out of hand." But but then other people were like, "Okay, well, let's." Let's give them one last chance. Like we're going to go to like our manager, our district manager with a list of problems that we want fixed. And, you know, if they fix them, great. If not, we're going to unionize. I just want to point out specific demands. Good. It's a good move. Have specific (laughs) demands. Absolutely. Have a list. (laughs) Be like, do the list. And then they can say no. And then they'll say, well, what didn't they do? And you say, here's the list. (laughs) So we asked for very, like, basic things, and it was more employee parking. We wanted them to purchase a row of parking spaces in the parking lot next to us so that we could have some more parking so people would stop hitting each other's cars in the parking lot. Uh, We wanted a pod so that we could, like place excess uh, product in there so that things aren't in the bathroom anymore or blocking the bathroom. You just need a third storage container, really. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) For storage. (laughs) And we wanted, um, it was stable hours as well because there there was like a lot of people in our store that needed a minimum like amount of hours and they weren't getting it and it was like, Uh, always sporadic you didn't know when you were going to work typically so we those were our three demands like very simple easy to fix kind of things and for a little bit it looked like we were gonna like actually get this pod thing to happen And, and then they said oh well if we do we're gonna have to get rid of your recycling like bin which was like why (laughs) <laughs> like why uh but we were like you know what as long as we're getting the pod 
that's fine. But then jump cut a week later and then we're like, actually, never mind, it's not happening. And so we're like, okay, well, this is happening then. And so we all signed the union cards. Um, and, and those are cards that, that state intent to vote in an election, right? Those are not the actual election. Yes. The intent to vote in the election, yeah. And, oh, did you, like, have to go to, like, the union? This is a genuine question for me. I don't even know about this part. Do you, do you, do you like, go to, does, like, the NLRB have, like, a PDF for you to print for the cards? You just make up your own card that says, I vote. And, like, do you like me? Yes or no? And, like, check box. <laughs> like. I don't actually remember that part all that much. Um, I do know it's, like, digital. Um, and Oh, a digital card. So it isn't even physical cards. Yeah. It's, like, a digital card that you can just, like put your initials on or signature or whatever it was and uh, send it to the NLRB. Um, what percentage are you like, if it's a, I don't think this is too per, like private information. Uh, do you like about how many people were at your store and about how many signed the cards? So we had maybe 18 people. And at the time there were only like three people that we were concerned about, you know, not being on board or not quite understanding or being like, easily manipulated by managers, stuff like that. Uh, so I would say like 15 out of the 18 people signed these cards. When you say manipulated by managers, do you only mean those on site or do you also mean like the regional people that visit? Um, well, there's our store manager and then our district manager who is a, like an actual demon. So <laughs> a question, um, so, like, in the way you've described this store, how much was there risk that you were aware of or outright threatened that they would just close the location? Uh, it was a big threat, honestly, because um, after we announced the intent to organize and, like, presented the official letter to Starbucks, you know, they really, like, cracked down on the union busting. Um, and so they were like getting on people's cases like more often than they usually would. And people just like couldn't take it. So some people left. And then there was the cases of myself, my friend Olivia, and my friend Maddie, who all got fired in the span of eight days. Um, and so it like my actual belief was that they were trying to fully shut the store down just by pure, uh, like, uh, like employment issues. Like create the situation that makes it run enough in the red that they can just go, ah, we closed the store. It wasn't because of unions. It was because of X, Y, and Z. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of my next question. We're already in it. Like what all types of union busting did you face? You've already mentioned that, you know, suddenly, uh, suddenly everyone's just kind of a little bit more of a hard ass, you know, either yeah. trying to push people just out of the store completely or hire new people. And it is a proven known tactic to just not even necessarily fire, but even just shuffle around. I mean, how many Starbucks are there? You're out in Kansas. So it's like, depending on how near of an urban thing you are, uh, this might not be an option, but if, like in Phoenix, in Mesa, Starbucks has, has been using unionizing and they had mm -hmm. a couple successful votes also, but they've also been just swapping employees around between the stores so they can essentially gerrymander the votes. It's like, oh, this location has 90% people who want the thing. Let's just whoo, spread them out to different stores and bring in randos so they have to restart the entire organization or the organizing effort again because it's an entire new set of people and all the heads just happen to have been uh, axed in the process. 
it's yeah. very easy for companies like Starbucks to do that. Um, so I live actually just outside the Kansas, like uh, just outside of Kansas City. So there are. So there's other stores. There are a bunch of stores nearby. The issue is that uh, <laughs> because our store is so tiny, nobody wants to work there. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's in two storage containers. You don't get a break room or anything. <laughs> yeah, literally nobody wants to work there. The <laughs> only people that really wanted to work there we're queer people because we're all queer pretty much. <laughs> so there's a, like a big sense of community. Starbucks created the the conditions under which uh, Starbucks is threatened, meaning like labor organization, were created by Starbucks making such a shitty store that <laughs> <laughs> like, this is a, a topic a point we hammer on all the time that like the exploitation the the just bad treatment kind of like it creates its own resistance just given enough time uh-huh. and you were like the demands you uh, listed a second ago none of them were even for we all want company cars and to be paid a hundred thousand dollars a year i didn't think you mentioned a raise you wanted a break room uh, not even a break room you wanted a storage room so you could just use the space you actually have you want uh, people who are working part-time and have bills to pay and need at least 20 hours uh, a week to like pay, uh, eat to have some kind of guarantee about those 20 hours mm-hmm. does not seem crazy like how much easier would it be actually for them to have just done those three things? Parking spaces, storage, uh, not f- jerking people around on, oh, am I going to get hours today? Uh-huh. Oh, I hope I get called in the next five minutes. Like, none of that is that difficult to remedy. They just know what it leads to. <laughs> they know that if you give an inch, then people will go, oh, uh, could you also stop being uh, cruel needlessly <laughs> in this department or yeah. this department? Yeah. Well, well exactly. like they, they believe if you give an inch, they know where it goes. But the reality that we prove every single day under capitalism is if you raise the minimum bar enough, it does keep those urges at bay. You can, in fact, create a comfortable enough prison for the majority of the population. Denmark. Having you can to become exploit. Denmark. <laughs> you can become Norway. You can become Sweden, which is not what I want, it's, by the way, it, but it is nice. That's not what I want have. either, but we have practical <laughs> examples of if Starbucks followed the Nordic model, they wouldn't maybe have so many unions. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> if the U.S. followed the Nordic model on a lot of things, I think... Uh, Things would be a little bit better. All right, this is kind of like a prompt, less a question, I guess. Uh, uh, like thinking along the same the same lines. Like uh, in my mind, like b- feel free to tell me if I'm totally like off base here. But the point of these labor labor organization movements, the point of getting you as employees to team up to uh, bargain collectively and to act with collective power rather than just you versus the company, like over and over and over and hope you win your one individual fight. Uh, the purpose is to increase uh, worker power yes. and decrease owner power. Like, so yeah. for both you and your coworkers, like what are some of the decisions that you would make differently if suddenly the workers had a bit more power than, than the, than the owners do? I mean, like to, to simp- to way oversimplify, I guess the goal and that thing would be to make every, like what if Starbucks was a co-op <laughs> yeah. or if every business, like think co-op for a second, like who actually has ownership decisions. And then it becomes the difference between like the King, King star, the books, uh, <laughs> releasing a tiny bit of financial help to the, their, their, their pitiful employees versus the employees themselves decide, okay, Hey everybody, we all want X. So, uh, here's the numbers, you know, make sure let's do X. We'll have to do this, you know, like a, a teamwork let's all mm-hmm. succeed together type uh 
method of going about it as opposed to right now, which is profit driven only. So I guess if you had a a work, a workplace that you and the people who actually ran the store, the 18 people who actually make that store operate, like what would you do differently besides the three really obvious ones, which was uh, parking, have some storage (laughs) and don't screw people on hours. Something we've talked about as well. I mean, you know, after we announced our intent to unionize and like we actually started getting in touch with the uh, the labor union. We realized that there's like so many more things that we could ask for. I mean, uh, I don't think I have to explain the recent inflation that's been going on in, in the U.S., um, but there's been a lot of it and like nowhere is like uh, raising their wages to help the working class keep up with it. Um, when I moved here to Kansas, uh, uh, gas in my area was two dollars and ten cents, and it is now four dollars. So <laughs> the fact that I'm still making the same amount of money um, is ridiculous because now I have to pay. $60 to fill up my my tank uh, versus well, it was like $35 before. It's so like absolutely I would ask for uh, a higher starting wage um, first and foremost because people need to survive um, and that is you know the main reason that they work is to survive but I mean other than that for my store in general um, we have a lot of trans partners um, who need gender-affirming surgeries, um, and I would want to make that more accessible to them. So, like, increasing, like, healthcare coverage for those kinds of things, um, and, you know... Or just having healthcare yeah, coverage healthcare, at all, for, in most healthcare cases. healthcare coverage overall, uh, better healthcare coverage, rather. How does Starbucks healthcare work? Like, what what level employee do you have to be? How many hours to to qualify to even pay for I mean, the Starbucks health insurance? You you only need to be part time. Um, oh really? They 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 must be nicer than Walmart. Uh, well, I mean, I wouldn't say nicer. Nicer, uh, huge quotes. <laughs> maybe they're more more strategic, uh, because the way that it works is that Starbucks brands itself as this really really like progressive. A company that it offers like really, really great uh, benefits to people that only work part time. Did they um, pay for your college? I remember them talking about that. They pay, they pay for college through Arizona State University. Um, there's like free Spotify. There's like healthcare <laughs> coverage. This, this, and that, and it basically suckers people into the company and like forcing them to behave because they can then dangle it over your head um, and be like, if you don't comply, you're going to lose all of these. And that's exactly what happened to me because I was planning to take part of the free school benefit. Uh, I was using the healthcare benefits to take care of like my ADHD and depression. Um, and now soon I'm going to be out of my medications for those. Um, and that's exactly what happened. So they scare people into uh, staying with the company and like not defying them 
by having these decent benefits. Are you aware of, so you mentioned the school part. Did you start that process already or not yet? I had, I had literally like uh, been just about to start it because school has been a bumpy, bumpy road for me. Um, I guess the question is like, do you know of anyone where, because the way I understand most programs are, you still have to be at the company X number of time for them to actually either give you the reimbursement or not demand money from you. And so if you are gone, even if they have fired you before then, how much are they also, like, how much are they threatening you with, we're going to fire you and you have to pay us for school? Um, I think the way it works is that, like, you know, uh, you enroll through Arizona State University and you're like, oh, I'm a Starbucks worker. And so Arizona State University will, I think, just charge Starbucks instead. Um, but, you know, if you are in the middle of that schooling and then you lose your job, you lose that benefit, but technically you're still enrolled. So then you would have to continue paying like tuition on your own or drop out. Right. OK. Do you have any experience organizing with people that you disagree with on issues on like other issues, but agree with on labor issues. You've already been talking and saying that most of your, most of your store is full of queer people. So like, I imagine that there's not a bunch of like huge, I don't know, political disagreement. How would you say it? Like social uh, disagreements? Because like when we talk about the greater labor, labor movement, the kind of victories that we're trying to win will also help out uh, assholes. Like people who are, who we would see and probably be like, ah, you're a dick. but like, I, but like, I still want you to have healthcare and you know, like have yeah. enough bills and all that stuff. Like, did you run into, was, was it ever a topic? Like, did you, did anyone go like, you know what? I want to get a parking space also, but you don't agree with me on abortion. So <laughs> we're going to not organize actually. The, the like, question also is leading into you've shown up in your <laughs> fursuit. So how much has that drawn that out as well? Most of that sort of discourse for me happens online. Um, in my store, I think we had one like christian girl who just like didn't get it so she like she just like wasn't on board in the first place and you know when we held the strike and i showed up my first two um it was really difficult to tell you know like who was who uh because i mean the working class is so like diverse everybody's just there supporting unions but i mean there were there was a, a church group that showed up as well and um in support and you know how they can be sometimes Ooh, uh, that was a twist i thought you were gonna say like they they protested us oh they, no, no, no. They, said, they, they showed up in support that's, that's awesome that's um good to hear man you know i'm not a religious person i was raised catholic uh but have since uh abandoned it because of obvious reasons uh <laughs> And so I don't agree with religion in particular, but I was, you know, happy that they showed up. I'm saying, I guess I'm not even trying to like corner you or anyone else, anyone else in the oh, no. labor or any other kind of movement into being like, haha, you worked with these people. That means you agree with them. <laughs> it's kind of like what you were saying, like you'll take allies from where you can get them because at the moment what you're fighting for is like the, just to get on the first step. Uh -huh. <laughs> and then once everyone has a bit more resources, then you can spend more time on uh, educating people who just have stupid opinions and that's it and they just need talking to. Like, it's a lot easier to talk to them if they're not like, oh, crap, I can't eat. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, so like, that was, like, part of the reason, like, why I wore Apollo in the first place. I, it was to, like, show that, like, diversity that the working class has. Like, it's so vast 
that of course it's gonna affect any number of people from it's 99 percent of humans <laughs> like it's from, most people <laughs> from different walks of life and i think it's really really important that we can uh embrace those differences while fighting for the same thing because i think in the end that's what's going to make the movement uh you know all that much stronger that's without compliment, uh, compromising your personal ideals. I'm not, I'm not advocating everyone go out there and get yeah. shittier. Like just be meaner, <laughs> come down to their level. That's not what I'm advocating either. No, but, go ahead, but when you're, when you're going out in fursuit at a protest, that is very much against the status quo. Like it's certainly gotten better. Uh, the media at large has for the most, like it, I don't know how much you grew up with it or not, but I'm old enough that the media being incredibly hostile to furry was a thing I grew up with. So in this day and age that the city of Pittsburgh merges with Anthrocon every year is weird. So mm -hmm. when you talk about showing off the diversity to a certain extent in the best way possible, you're showing how much diversity doesn't fucking matter in the face of the rich and the powerful. They don't, they don't care. They focus on things like diversity to divide. So you showing up in fursuit and going, yeah, I'm wearing this, and we're still voting for a union. Look what doesn't matter to us is part of, like, the flex. <laughs> how, um, how freeing is it? Like, you, you're, you're gearing up to do it the first time. So, like, you've suited before. I've suited before. Pepper's suited before. Was this different? Did you feel different? Did you feel like you performed differently? <laughs> Um, well, can I shock you for a second? Yeah. The first time that I showed up in pursuit to, like, my strike, Yeah. Uh, that was my first time wearing Apollo in public. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. That <laughs> is friggin' awesome. <laughs> so, like, I'm geographically confused at the top of this. Uh, so, where? why am I thinking Seattle? When did you go to Seattle? Where did you protest? Like, did any Seattle of that happen in Kansas? Was right, right, yeah, yeah. So how this work? We had a strike at our store in Kansas, and then after I was fired, I was uh, invited along with another one of my fired friends uh, to so Seattle. You were fired after striking. Yes, I was fired strike after first, striking. Then fired. Yep. Wow, it seems like in a just society that would be seen as retaliation for a labor effort and be illegal. Oh, you you know you'd think right, but no, I huh. was violent and threatening. Yes. Oh, I remember reading that in the article. Oh my god, I forgot. They said you were you're scary. I was like, you look like one of those juggalos. So, so yeah, I wore also not the fursuit to the strike in March, and then a month later, I was flown out to Seattle and wore the fursuit to the rally, and marched through the streets of Seattle in a fursuit. I love it. I love it. Yeah, uh, very very crazy couple of months for me. So how, like, was it, was it fun? Like, let's, let's be furry yeah. for a second. Like, don't get me wrong. <laughs> this strike stuff is important, <laughs> but God damn it. I'm furry trash. We're all furry trash. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Tell Do us about the suiting. Come it? on, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, well, I don't have a lot of experience suiting because I literally had gotten Apollo like mid-February and then a month later I wore it to the, to the strike. So it's like, um, I don't have any experience doing this, so I don't <laughs> really know what I should do. But it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, <laughs> turning people's heads. I got, you know, a couple of pictures with people, some like uh, local photographers or like or journalists like took pictures of me and everything. Um, but other than that, I mean, it was basically me just marching around a parking lot with a sign that said Union Yes. And uh, <laughs> are there any later at the rally? It was basically the same thing. I was there in solidarity with everybody, and then I went up and I gave my speech, and then we marched through Seattle. Were there any, like, one-on-one interactions with, like, you know, not your fellow union folk, but just, you know, other people around that are witnessing it? Like, did anyone approach? Yeah. I mean, I had a a few people, like, um, come up with, like, their kids and be like, "Uh, oh, can we get a picture with you? You're really cool. Stuff like that. Only if you support the union. (laughs) That feels really (laughs) nice. Um, And then after the, like, the march in Seattle, I actually had a couple of furries uh, walk up, and they were like, thank you for doing this. This is really cool. I really appreciate it. So that was really cool. Um, And actually, in the, the video of the speech I gave, when I'm like, oh... My name's Michael Vestigo, or you can just call me Apollo. In the vi- video, you can hear some wor- uh, woman laugh and go, oh, I love that. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's nice. So that's great. It's a, it was a lot of fun for sure. The last thing I want to bring up that I definitely uh, that I have to address while we have you on the call is there were some there were some online Marxist Leninists who have by the way I am a Marxist Leninist this is this is me like even trying to start fights with people online I'm taking all this as good taking this as good faith actually which is hopefully what they are doing also or what are you doing uh, they've criticized your participation as spectacle specifically like you first suiting I saw uh, reactions of like man people are out th- they're gonna do anything they possibly can to try and paint this as like a bunch of crazy people and like try and discourage people from joining the labor movement uh not like furries attending but they're saying like the mm. media so i guess they'd be accusing vice of that or whoever was the thing so like of uh making the making your participation being spectacle or making the protest less appealing to working people like you're gonna weird them out by being in fursuit and uh beyond that uh it, it could in theory be used by unscrupulous media sites to do what i was just talking about like oh you see the labor movement's full of ugh, it's not for everybody it's only for Eh? <laughs> which I can see almost as a salient criticism. But the flip side of that is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you were invited and you asked permission, like, is it okay if I suit at this protest, right? Yeah. You didn't just show up to a random picket line with your suit, like, me too, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm here to make this about me, which I do think would be weird. Like, if I just joined, if I joined random picket line, just showed up, what's up, I'm a dog, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I could see those criticisms as more salient, but that's not what happened in this case. No. So, like, I don't, like what do you, what do you think about uh, like, I guess all the all, all the stuff I just said because I also see the criticism of furry not being actually like normal people like all oh, these people who participate in this niche hobby I think that's just a misunderstanding of the fandom because yeah all the furries I know there seems to be like there there are you know your tech workers who uh, kind of fund and uh, fund a lot of our artists and buy a lot of ex- <laughs> extravagant commissions but the overwhelming number of people I know are broke yeah <laughs> like, mm-hmm. furries are they are working <laughs> we we are proletarian. 
I mean, what you're looking at in my camera, it's literally just like half my room. The other half is just like, my room is tiny. So you have the, are you in one of the spray it with white paint apartments? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Your popcorn ceiling. On the nose. Um, Believe me, I've lived in many of these apartments. <laughs> uh, I would say that that argument's uh, a little bit silly. Yeah, what do you think about that whole thing? You're online. You saw it. I, I think it's a little silly, honestly. Uh, because, I mean, like I said, the working class is so, like, diverse and different. You've got, you know, people who are Republican or centrists, uh, liberals, socialists. You can, you've got everybody in the working class. So it makes sense that we're all going to be very different people. And like I said earlier, I think it's good to acknowledge those differences, you, you know, even in terms of, like, hobbies uh, sexuality, uh, gender orientation, uh, gender expression, stuff like that. Really, if we can accept those and, uh, you know, still fight for the same thing, uh, that's going to make the movement stronger. Because, let's be honest, if one dude in a fursuit is going to make or break an entire movement that's been going on for years... It was not a very strong movement to begin with. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a it's a very it's very telling that anyone who would say something like that. To me, mm -hmm. we just lived through Orange Monkey doing the <laughs> look at me, look at me, look at me, and we watched an entire political machine. They already were doing, you know, television brought in the look at me as the strategy, but who boy did it change the number of times we all looked at cheeto and went that'll tank it that'll tank it that'll tank it <laughs> on the flip side we're having more and more union stuff and the other side sitting there going ah the the queers are protesting that'll tank it ah the furries have shown up that'll tank it like or calling smalls uneducated because he's black yeah <laughs> like, just like well, this guy looks like an idiot it's like he's fucking killing it out there dude. yeah you know <laughs> I don't think every, everyone understands that uh, kink union protests are on the horizon. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it, I did hear about that. There's like, um, like, uh, like actual like strippers are starting to unionize, which is fucking awesome. Like, thank you for like, phrasing it that way. <laughs> uh, I hope that was okay to say. Oh, we, uh, I curse all the time. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, we... it, it is. Two sides of the same coin as well, because there's going to be people that uh, have just like a preconceived uh, notion of what furries are and are biased uh, like against us. And because it like being a furry is like just a hobby as opposed to like uh, sexual orientation or gender expression, it's not like an inherent part of who we are. And so there's less societal pressure to, like, accept it. Uh, so it's going to be very hard to change the minds of the people who are biased against us. But I think what a lot of people don't realize is that I think the vast majority of, like, the general populace either has never heard of us, has never interacted with us, or just no experience with us whatsoever. Um, and those are the people that 
see us and they'll be like, oh, okay, maybe that's kind of weird, but, you know, good for them. And then there's people that'll be like, wow, they're doing what they love. That's really, really awesome. So uh, they, it'll draw more people in that way as well. So it's like a, a little bit of a give and take. My experience fursuiting around very much working class people, not just at like weird, fan, like fancy niche events where I'm only hanging out with, I don't know, people who have more money than they, like when I'm around, when you're in Pittsburgh, you're just talking about Anthrocon. Yeah. Like when they open up the parade downtown Pittsburgh, it's not only like bougie people who show no, up. It's Pittsburgh's a pr- the people of Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah. The regular ass people of Pittsburgh. And usually my interactions with them are extremely positive. Yeah. Like, the reason I go to Anthrocon every year because of that is the integration and more new faces show up. And like Anthrocon is a good chunk of people's first furry interactions just because it's been going on years there. Mm-hmm. You do not get the same reaction from working people when a bunch of fursuits show up as if with if 15 Teslas all pulled up at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where everyone goes, ugh, these assholes. <laughs> Uh, and to not to make my final argument about spectacle, I posted in the chat a picture of a beloved character known as Scabby the Rat. Hey, that's from my hometown. Brought, <laughs> yeah, they're brought by is it the Teamsters Union? Just unions in general. It shows up whenever there's labor shit going on, and it's it's Scabby the Rat, as in like an anti-scab. Uh-huh. Rat. It's a gigantic inflatable rat that looks kind of gross and scary. <laughs> and then they put in the front like shame on whatever company for doing the like. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned like the, people like spectacle <laughs> the tesla thing this is, i'm now recalling an anthrocon memory where <laughs> i think we were stepping out of an elevator and there was like a, also like a business conference going on like <laughs> uh, at the hotel or do. whatever <laughs> and there was just like some suited guy on on the phone as we walked out of the elevator he walked into the elevator and he was like fucking fluffies (laughs) 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 fluffies i was like that's really funny i hear furbies a lot furbies yeah furbies the furbies are back all right any final thoughts on our like official interview segment wait we have another question we didn't get into the last one do it uh, as part of, and obviously talking about it perhaps could be sensitive, so we don't want to, you know, uh, hurt your chances with anything or what have you, but since you and the others were fired, like, I assume that is still ongoing. Uh, mm-hmm. how, you know, how are you and the others doing? Uh, is there words of advice you have for anyone that, like, ends up in a similar situation to you? Like, so- you know, you hear about people getting fired, but then it's like, well, now what? Right. What you actually put your body on the line for the movement, uh-huh. for like the effort. You were one of the casualties of a union organization, so you can speak to this with some authority. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, for the, like the first couple of days, I was just kind of like stunned. I didn't really know what to do. Um, it was hitting my ADHD really hard, so I, I just kind of secluded myself for a couple of days. Um, but then. Starbucks workers united like like uh, got my contact information like reached out to me and was like we want to help you fight this um so I mean I was like absolutely like (laughs) this is ridiculous like I don't know what to do I was gonna go to school I have like medication that I need 
Um, so I filed, uh, well, I guess Starbucks Workers United filed like unfair labor practice char charges on my behalf with the NLRB. Um, and, you know, they go through like an investigation process and everything. And actually, on the same day that the Vice article came out, the NLRB officially charged Starbucks uh, with like a bunch of unfair labor practice charges, uh, including part of them is from Mesa <laughs> and Mesa. They're fucking around with the votes, uh -huh. including but not limited to my own firing and like my partner's firings as well. So there's going to be like a, an official hearing um, and I'm going to get my job back. Have you ever had one of your bosses call you after you've been fired to try and help you out and get you into a new job? Uh, my the previous manager, actually. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> you had a person. Yeah, but that wasn't on behalf of Starbucks, I assume. <laughs> no, right? That's no, just because no. they're like your friend. So what happened with my previous <laughs> manager, actually, is we didn't know it at the time, but she was like being like mentally and emotionally harassed by, by the district manager. Yeah. Um, and the start of like the whole managerial turnover for us was when she went on a month leave of absence for her mental health. Um, and then she just uh, ended up ended up not coming back to the company because uh, the district manager was playing like emotional warfare on her. Um, and, you know, after all that happened, she showed up to our strike um, she showed up when they were counting the votes, I think, if I'm remembering correctly. And, you know, after I got fired, she like reached out and she was like, hey, I'm working at Target now. So, like, if you need a job, I'll put in a good word for you. And actually, I'm working at Target now. So <laughs> Go start the Target union. <laughs> Just, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> that's really cool like that's a very human mo like it's it's very <laughs> nice and good that your manager did that because like i was gonna get that it's like it's not because starbucks had them that was just a, a, yeah. a human thing they did because they know you as a as a person yeah and as much as we talk about this stuff in terms of dollars and cents and winning like real tangible like the emotional element is definitely there who is more likely to give a shit about you? Like you and the other people who as a team create, like make your coffee shop run or whatever business you happen to work at, mm -hmm. whatever thing you do, or the cold calculating shareholders who have never heard your name will never care about you. Who like live in places you will never go to who make decisions about how, like where you're going to sleep at night and whether or not you're going to be able to pay your bills. Mm -hmm. Like it's not, we don't just union for selfish reasons it's to end or at least alleviate some of the alienation we experience constantly that keeps us from having anything but misery while we're working all day. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's exactly that because there was a time where our district manager like came to the store. I think this was before the whole union process. Uh, but if you don't drink Starbucks, uh, Starbucks has had this drink for a while called the, uh, chocolate almond milk shake and espresso and we used uh, a chocolate malt powder for it um and she came into the store and she was just like inspecting things and everything it, she saw the malt powder and she points at it and she goes what's this and i looked at her and i was like uh 
it's the malt powder? And she's like, oh, okay, what's it used for? I was like, Sarah, please. We've had the chocolate almond milkshake and espresso for over a year. And you're telling me you've never heard of it. How many stores do you run again? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, very, very much the alienation thing. All right, everybody. This has been a very good conversation. I thank you very much for being here. Apollo, what can we plug for you? Like, do you have, is there anything online that you want to direct our listeners to? That could be (laughs) about you. That could be about general labor stuff. What do you want people to do? Um, well, my Twitter is um, Apollo underscore Elios, and my Twitch is the same. Uh, I-L-I-O-S. Um, and then I would say check out the artists that are tagged in my profile on Twitter and follow Starbucks Workers United on Twitter. I think it's SB Workers United. Some good tweets that come out of that. Yeah. You can get some good news because they'll post things like, we, here's people. Out. I think we're at like vote. 85 <laughs> like unionized Starbucks now. Which I think a month ago we were at like 30, 35 maybe. Which is crazy. So, uh, lots of big things happening. Very, very good things. Dragor, intro and do some headlines. Do, oh, do you have headlines? <laughs> I have things that I have to scroll through in Telegram. I This is like one day I didn't uh, put a proper show together in the many months that I've been doing that correctly, but I collected some things. And oh, you also like, did some f- stuff in uh, the LinkedIn channel. So thank you to the people that share stuff there. Uh, one in particular, I keep bringing it up. It is a, lear- a new term I have learned about. Uh, we There's a couple of different terms. You might see Malthusian. Or you might hear about, um, oh my gosh, Pepper, what are the other terms? Help me. Malthusian? Oh, degrowth. <laughs> degrowth, that's the one. Degrowth. Uh, so you have websites like The Economist talking about, you know, you have this title, The Coming Food Catastrophe. And the heavy asterisk to that is wholly and completely created by our owners and capitalism. In no way, shape, or form, even in our current climate disaster, like we could have the worst climate disasters in the history of the world today, and we have the technology to still grow all of the food every human on Earth would need for the next 30 years or more. Oh yeah, Dragor, what if the whole world flooded like in Noah's Ark? <laughs> you would have floating greenhouses. I, you know why? Because a bunch right. of billionaire weed bros are like, oh shit, the world's gonna flood and I still want weed. <laughs> My grow up must go to space. And then someone's going to be like, hey, can we partition some of your grow up for like wheat and corn and tubers? And all the weed people are like, oh, shit, I want fries with my weed. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Potatoes and potatoes only, though. (laughs) It's kind of like the formula crisis. It's a crisis, but only because we choose not to solve it. Have have do you have any interaction or experience with uh, the degrowth movement? Have you heard of Malthusianism before? I have not. So this, this, is, this is new to me. I'm looking it up. It is a new spin <laughs> on overpopulation and how oh, okay. overpopulation is not real yet. 
Malthusian is like an adjective form of uh, the idea, the ideological belief that the biggest problem we have is that there are simply too many people. And if we just had fewer people, our problems would become solved. There's a guy named Malthus who like wrote all about this and it was heavily like super believe. That's where like eugenics comes out of. There used to be in England and like, geez, the romantic, not romantic. Uh, Edwardian, Victorian, the Victorian are like, oh, all these poor people, wouldn't they hurry up and die? Malthus uh, encouraged making the conditions for the poor worse and worse and worse intentionally so they would just die faster. It's almost like Oof. there's this contradiction in capitalism where it is doing that, but then all of a sudden, like when they enact their racist policies, there's no one to actually harvest food because the rest of the other working class <laughs> here won't fucking do it. Mm-hmm. Or can't. They don't know how. <laughs> also, That too. There's no such thing as unskilled labor. This district manager can't make a fucking frappuccino to save her life. <laughs> <laughs> For real. <laughs> yeah, no, that's... So as you go through degrowth, you'll keep hearing it's usually a kind of sort of... It gets snuck into leftist spaces. I say snuck in. It's entirely on purpose by some of these people. Like, Elon Musk and them love degrowth because it means they get to stay on top. The degrowth is necessary if you want to keep our current power imbalanced. If we want to keep having, like, seven people having ridiculous luxury and everyone else being miserable, yeah, some quote-unquote degrowth is necessary. But when you hear about people talking about... Like, it, it sounds innocent. They'll be like, oh, we should, like, take out some car lanes. Oh, we should, like, uh, stop having X power plant. Uh, oh, my, when it's used to, as an excuse to why we should remove nuclear plants, it makes me want to scream. Because yeah. it's like, oh, yeah. if you want actual cleaner energy, sorry, if you want to reduce carbon, the thing that's actually causing global warming, we actually need more nuclear power plants. And short term, we actually need more growth. We need places for people to live. Well, you can just take the people and put them in the places we've already built, but I digress. In general, well, we also degrowth need scares the live. shit out of me near yeah. the things that we are also going to build. Like It's the ideological <laughs> shift of, are we doing things to make people happy and live, or are we doing things to make a certain select group of people happy and live? I'm going to take that and pivot to uh, June. Pride Month is coming up, and I saw a tweet that <laughs> is, making me is making me laugh so much, and I'm oh, going to read it. Pride Month is coming up, so instead of giving your money to big corporations slapping <laughs> rainbows on everything, give your money to me, a gay, directly. To <laughs> me! <laughs> Patreon.com backslash last minute politics if you want to give your money Forward to two slash. Gays. Forward slash. I say backslash because it just sounds. I should just say. Slash. I understand you say backslash and it is wrong. Say forward. It just slash. sounds. Everyone in my life has always said backslash all the time. You can so just, just say, say slash. Backslash. I know. Just say slash. But when I hear backslash, I just think, uh, think of Shulk. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> Got my Yay, ring. I have added a backslash. Uh, but to to the both of you, when when did you notice? Uh, corporate pride and how fake it was because it, you know, I, I'm old enough, I'm the oldest one on this group right now. And growing up, it was oh, pride is where all of the icky queer pedos go and <laughs> steal and rape kids, and that's obviously not what it is. But today, uh, now it's I, you see these corporate things show up, and you're like, oh, shit, I can maybe be out at a corporate job fuck yeah like just the pressure release from what i came from there was that mm -hmm. little moment where it was a big deal and now it's oh chase is going to show up at pride and then chase is going to endorse every republican candidate ever <laughs> got yeah. it um it's kind of a give and take with this as well i i think because 
<laughs> I know for a lot of young queers, uh, and myself included when I was younger, in like high school and everything, uh, seeing all of like the rainbow gear everywhere was really, really, it's like what I needed. Um, because uh, I was I was still a naive gay child who, who just wanted to see some like representation in the world. Uh, and, you know, seeing all the rainbow stuff everywhere, it genuinely made me happy. Um, but yeah, no, it's this uh, now it's as an adult, it's I realize that it's just like rainbow pandering. <laughs> um, uh, but I can still like acknowledge that uh, this sort of like representation is like important to like the younger generation because it was to me. That's kind of where I come from. In that, young me absolutely was starved for it. That's that's the real term. Is we are mm -hmm. we are isolated and starved. It's much better today, but it's not universal in the U.S. Uh, for example, I grew up in Chicagoland area, mm -hmm. so, you know, Boys Town always being there made it a little bit more visible, but the suburbs are not Chicago. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is there, like, a... I guess for me, the, the moment I really noticed it, I went to a different city's pride. I went to Milwaukee Pride instead of the Chicago one, because the Chicago one is one of the biggest... It's a crazy party more than anything else. So like mm -hmm. the Big corporate pres the corporate people that are there are drowned out by the drunk queer people going hog wild. Like, okay, mm -hmm. fine. But at Milwaukee Pride, I went during the day and it was a lot more sterile. And it was very clear to me in talking to the companies where I'd ask, like, oh, so, you know, uh, I'm gonna keep using Chase as an example. So like, oh, what are the <laughs> what are the queer things that happen like at Chase on the job? And it's always, oh. Um, and it's always like, no, these are the token queers that get to go away from Chase and go to this other thing. But once you are actually at the company and on the team, you are not able to actually be you. Right. And that's where I started realizing how, like, I appreciate the visibility, but then as I talked to people, I learned how much of a charade it was. Right. That's what this tweet gets at, because it mentions money, and it, it essentially is po the point, the joke, the thing that makes it funny, is the difference between material conditions and, uh, you know, aesthetics that are put on entirely for the purpose of gaining advertising brownie points, so any rando, even kind of lib person, and not even kind of lib, because at this point, most people are, societally, we're fine with just, like, gay people existing, which I mean, good, I'm glad we finally got around to that, but that company doesn't give a shit if you're gay, straight, whatever, if you want to uh, do anything that doesn't just get them more money, anything that causes right. them problems, if you're trying to organize or fight against them, if you are in any way damaging to capital, suddenly their whole like oh we're nice to the gays like gets dropped in an instant which everyone knows that's like that's a meme uh -huh. at this point is you see people in the chat it's like oh look it's that same meme comes out it's like oh look it's whatever what even i don't even know what month pride month is anymore that's how much i think it's just corporate nonsense that i ignore <laughs> but it's like oh here comes pride month looks time for this and they show all the new rainbow ones it's like oh it's it's the day after pride month looks like it's time for that <laughs> they just go with the rainbows yeah, all go drop away their rainbow icons <laughs> and everything they're joking in the what chat was about it? Raytheon. It was, uh, during, it was during one of the summer Pride Parade lockdown things where uh, it was June. They did all of this 
you know, stop hate and stuff, all these rainbow things on the sidewalks, and, like, at midnight of <laughs> July 1, they are power washing and cleaning everything away. <laughs> Getting that shit right out. It was one crosswalk that was a rainbow, and then yeah, she was yeah. getting power washed off at the strike of midnight. It was in the middle of the night. That's why it was so fucking funny. It's like, it is midnight 02. <laughs> Look, everyone wants to have their Chicago Migs Airfield story is really what it boils down to. <laughs> uh, if you don't know that one, long story short, uh, Chicago and an airfield were having disagreements. And so then in the middle of the night, a team came in and dug up all of the runways and utterly destroyed the airport and then told everyone, you have X amount of time to get your planes out of here. Oh my god. Oh god. Except it's people who own planes, so to a certain extent I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing has a lot of parties involved where I don't like any of them, but it's an amusing story. This last story I have shared in the chat is uh, from NBC News, and the headline is Biden urges cities to spend COVID relief money on police and crime prevention. And what's fascinating mm. about this is to me... This is a headline and story specifically calculated to cover up what was already happening. Uh, there are many stories, and we've talked about it on episodes here, how funds were illegally, inappropriately, or in, the, in many legal cases using loopholes. During the active pandemic, money was directed away from COVID funds and directly to police and other moneyed interests. This story came out on May 13, 2022, as if... It's a direction that is different than what has been happening. <laughs> uh, I find it to be especially sinister because the timing of this is, ah, well, we're out of this pandemic and we have all of these resources associated. So, you know, we got to put it to where we really need it. I don't, I don't have yeah. much else to say Which... other than, like, there are a lot of people that will get very angry at reading this headline. And my reason for sharing this is, if you're getting angry now at this headline, you haven't been paying attention. Yeah. We see the headline of Biden saying, oh, take your extra pandemic money and use it on the cops. After Biden decided to not hand out as much money as, uh, the, you know, the worst president ever of all time, Satan president, who gave us 2K, and then Biden showed up with his 1400 and we're supposed to all pretend that it's 2000 after he took away the pandemic unemployment insurance that was special and suddenly available to gig workers which is a huge chunk of broke people <laughs> at the moment after all this after removing funding from all these programs after stopping funding oh should i say not funding not actually canceling come at me tell me how it's technically not canceling uh after not canceling but not funding the free covid test program there was like an account for where if you went yeah. to the get a test say i don't have insurance it would just come out of this whatever fund that the feds set up uh -huh. yeah that all ended under this guy who is now saying take your extra covid money you haven't used yet and give it directly to the police right now the u.s is a uh, average seven day average is one hundred and ten thousand cases Right now, the Chicago COVID dashboard, uh, one of the places, because remember, there are many states that shut down their dashboards completely. Uh, uh, ours did. It's weekly the, now. The COVID but... risk warning in Chicago is now just a general medium. <laughs> just, you know, look out. Be careful, maybe. Who wants I to guess? Utter... Apollo, you guess. What do you think the <laughs> seven-day COVID average is of mainland China? Uh, oh, God. <laughs> 
hundred thousand is the seven day average. So it's a hundred thousand a day for the seven day average. Take all the ones over a week, add them up, average them. Hundred thousand. What is China's seven day average for COVID cases? Oh God, I don't know. I can't even begin to make a guess. Do you think it's Do you think it's more or less than uh, than fifty thousand? More? It's one tenth of fifty thousand because it's five thousand. Oh my god! Fifty four hundred cases in a nation of one point five billion people. Now, America with its three hundred million one hundred thousand cases. Is that because of just factors we can't control and a, a country with a population five times the size of us, just, they've got all these luck factors and it's better there? Or, or are they doing things? Are they doing things for the people? This is not even saying you have to copy everything China does. By all my goodness, no, we are not China. Things that work no, in other I mean, countries we're, won't we're, necessarily we're copy out at here. 50, at 50,000, the United States has what little we did, we are stopping or have already stopped, and now our cases are spiking. Go look at any graph. Whereas in China, there was a story, we talked about it two weeks ago, that they were having an outbreak, and it's done already because it's they basically did things. <laughs> Oh it's basically over like their big lump has gone down like at their peak they had a seven day average of 30,000 cases so you know <laughs> when you look at their peaks you're like oh that's a really bad peak and then you go oh wait a second like on scale what's that what's the what is it what's the x-axis shit yep <laughs> or the y-axis the up and down one so what? like what, what is what is china do differently it's lockdowns they do targeted lockdowns they've already everybody was doing the oh no shanghai everything's shut down they're just shooting people in the streets who look like they have covid which never happened by the way uh like that's mostly now gone away again that you have a couple weeks of shittiness, of inconvenience, of you aren't allowed to leave your apartment, and then you get to go back to having your life be regular because the COVID goes away. I don't know. There isn't, oh, like, a shit. greater point here. It's just really frustrating, and I could point yeah. to multiple <laughs> other countries. If I brought up Vietnam or Cuba or New Zealand in 2001, I would have the same point to make. Well, it's also just, like, if you really don't care about COVID, like, that much, don't... Give it to the fucking cops. Give it to, <laughs> st- give give it it to, to social workers. People that have been proven to like actually reduce crime rate. Like The thing you're taught in Colorado is one of the places where they started doing first response as not being police, but being mental health care workers and other things. And they saw a drastic reduction in problematic incidents. Not even like not even zooming in on the fact that police exacerbate that, but just strictly tra- changing out, we put the right person to handle this as the lead, and the outcomes got better. I'm, I'm going to be ACAB till I hit the grave, but remove that and go, okay, scientific. The police are not trained for this. Mental health people are. Police will still be on hand because if it's a violent situation, the mental health people probably aren't trained to deal with that. In theory, we're we're presuming the police were trained for that. We know that's not true either. (laughs) (laughs) But like, even doing that, but this is yet another spin on that is the bare minimum. No police Uh were fired. No one was let go. Everyone got to keep their jobs, and everything got better. It's not hard. If you address the issues that are causing, I mean, I 
I, I I'm not gonna take uh don't don't take these as like expert fact opinions. I've been like research this and like I probably should before I'm like, if I was making a larger claim than this, but I'm assuming that at least a bit of those, uh, the increase in crime that we're talking about is because prices have increased. So once you take out crimes of necessity, where it's people who are just doing things to get their basic needs, which is like most crime, by the way, uh, what if you instead just took the money and addressed those issues and then the crime doesn't happen like you don't have to arrest someone for stealing food if they have the money to get the food and they get the food or you just give them the food you don't have to right. arrest someone for getting in a fight over baby formula if you just you know organize your fucking economy in a way that you have enough baby formula <laughs> or just give people the baby formula or i don't know import shit from germany which is i think what happened today uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> jesus he, Im- he imported 30 tons of formula. And people are like, that is four hours worth of formula for the American people. <laughs> and they're like, shut that up. Is very, it's that is very on brand for a Democratic-led solution. <laughs> yeah. That, that sounds just... a lot like $1,400 to me. Doesn't it sound like that to you? Look, here's why that's wrong to say and you're unfairly criticizing Joe Biden because it was the special <laughs> kind of formula that people need. It's only the special kind. So really, people don't all need that and it's all going to be evenly distributed amongst people. Dummy, why didn't you read the fine print? Only the special babies need the special formula. They are getting help. So vote blue no matter who. That's the title. Only special babies are getting the special formula. Vote blue no ha- matter who. A special <laughs> okay, episode with guest Apollo. A special episode. <laughs> <laughs> I've got blue on me. Vote me instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I am, I am out of headlines. <laughs> well, my friends, this has been Last Minute Politics. We've had, a, we've had a heck of a time. Thank you again very much to Apollo for joining us this week. Apollo, say hi or bye. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. This was uh, fantastic. <laughs> we also got Drago over here. Yeah. Hi. I'm, I'm Dragor. For those in the chat, I did eventually turn on my 3D avatar because, yeah, we said furry trash earlier. Heck yeah, furry trash. Subscribe to us on whatever podcast platform you use. Follow us on Twitter. And we're about out. Any, any final thoughts? Uh, I want to praise the first. It's adorable. Look at that booper. It's very cute. <laughs> you know, maybe that's what we need. Every every two weeks, we have our furry appreciation segment of like, aw, like, it's our moment of zen. We got to have something positive. Let's celebrate furry. Yeah, we're getting away from the, the our roots. Ruffle of hair. A a a toast to <laughs> Apollo, whose first genuine fursuiting expedition was at a Starbucks <laughs> unionization rally. Heck yeah, comrade. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody yell bye at the same time. Bye! bye. bye.